finish the XR Tizo podcast, where we explore the scriptures to prepare and equip real people for real purpose. Here's your host, Dr. Christopher Romano. Welcome back to Start to Finish, the XR Tizo podcast. It's awesome to be with you all again. I hope that you're having a great week and that wherever you are, whether you're in your car, driving to or from work, whether you're at the gym getting a workout in, or maybe you're in your own home enjoying a few quiet moments, that wherever you are, you are prepared to listen and learn as we study God's word together. Now, we're nearing the end of our series on the kingdom of God. Today actually marks the 11th episode of our series. And after this one, we will do one more next week. And I'm really excited for the series finale because for the first time, I am not going to be running solo. That's right. In the 12th and final episode of this series, I will be hosting a conversation with one of my former students and now colleague at Vision Christian Bible College and Seminary. His name is Hunter Ray. Hunter recently graduated from VCBCS with a master's in theology. He is an outstanding student of the Word of God. He's a gifted teacher, and he really carries a contagious revelation of the kingdom. So next week, Hunter will be alongside of me as we carry this series to completion. Now, with the series on the kingdom coming to a close, we're going to be starting a brand new series the following week. And so in addition to listening to my conversation with Hunter next week, you're also going to have to tune in to find out what new subject matter we will be exploring together. That announcement will be made next week. It is definitely going to be great. But all that is next week. So let's turn our attention to this week and the topic at hand for today's episode. And I've entitled this episode, Kingdom Citizenship. Kingdom Citizenship. Let's begin today by looking at two verses of scripture. Uh, First of all, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, and then also Ephesians 2 and verse 19. We're going to read those and then we're going to pray. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. And now Ephesians 2 and 19 reads like this. Paul says, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the ability to study your word freely, to search and explore your word, God, ultimately so that we can know you and know your heart better. God, we want to know you so that we can carry um, your word, your truth, and your heart to the world around us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Well, in view of our previous lessons, it's clear that because of the cross, believers in Jesus have now become citizens of a, of, a, of a new kingdom. That's really what these two passages of Scripture are talking all about. And so before we explore them, again, remember that it's the cross that's the key that unlocks the door to the kingdom of God for followers of Jesus. It's the cross. The cross is how we can experience the kingdom, how we're brought into the kingdom. And by virtue of the cross, we are now... Um, we we now possess a whole new identity, right? We're chosen. We are royal priests. We're holy. 
Uh, we are God's own special people. These are important truths that really need to be locked away in the vault of your heart so that you don't fall prey to the temptation of believing lies about yourself, uh, that you're not important, that you're not wanted, that you're not valued, that you're not cherished, because 1 Peter 2.9 is, is speaking completely contrary to that, that from God's view, you are special. You're special to him and you're special to the functioning of his body. Um, and with that identity, become, we become citizens. Now, citizens, uh, you know, in the context of Ephesians 2, Paul's speaking to the church at Ephesus, but he's really speaking to Gentiles. Gentiles were non-Jews who had lived outside of the covenant. They weren't part of the covenant that God had made with Israel. And so rightly said, Paul says, you were once strangers and foreigners, but no more. Because of your faith in Christ, you are now citizens of the kingdom of God. You are now family members alongside of believing Jews. And that's why in Galatians, Paul says that, look, because of your faith in Christ, you're all sons of God. And there's no Jew and there's no Greek and there's no Gentile. All those boundaries have been broken. All those walls have been brought down. So Jew and Gentile alike live now as the one people of God. That just like Israel, Christians have become God's people. Not by physical birth, uh, into a, a particular race, but by spiritual birth into God's family because of Christ. So the church is Israel extended, not Israel replaced. Don't fall, um, you know, don't fall prey to that line of thinking. Uh, the church is not replaced Israel as the people of God. It's just extended, you know, Israel. So now that all those who believe in Christ, whether they're Jew or Greek, are a part of the family of God. Now, as kingdom citizens. We are, of course, the restored image of God. We're, we're the restored people of God. We carry now a very important assignment. And I want to call that, that important assignment a royal task because we are a part of God's kingdom. We are now royalty as well. That's clear from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, a royal priesthood. So we have a royal task or a royal assignment. And this is where I want to just uh, teach you guys four ways in which we can see our kingdom citizenship lived out. Uh, or, you know, as a citizen, we have certain rights, we have certain responsibilities. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. I love to, to think about my life and my gifting and my, and my, uh, my assignment that way, that the part that I play is, is, is actually um, connected to something completely bigger than me, right? So the, 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 the thing I'm a part of is bigger than the part I, I play. And when my eyes are open to this, when your eyes are open to this, that yes, you're important, but there's something greater and, 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 and far more important than just me, uh, that's when we really can get a lot of things accomplished. And that's what God wants us to do as kingdom citizens. So four things uh, that we, we, we are you know, tasked with doing as kingdom citizens. And the first one is this, is that we are to embody the royal law or the great commandment. They're one in the same. Um, in Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked the question about what is the greatest commandment, he responds by saying, listen, the greatest commandment is this. It's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And you're to love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's the great commandment. Now, James actually refers to the great commandment as the royal law. In James chapter two and verse eight, and I would really encourage you to read verses one through nine. It provides a fuller picture 
of this one particular verse. But in, in James 2, verse 8, James says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, then you do well. In other words, you're doing a good job. You're doing what you're supposed to do if you've given yourself to fulfilling the royal law or the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. It's God's highest priority. Uh, we can't love God without loving people. And so uh, that leads into the, the, the next uh, part of the royal task. And that is we get to participate in God's vision for his church. And primary uh, among that vision is that we're to dwell together in unity with fellow believers. So um, loving our neighbor as ourself uh, involves us really uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, as, as Ephesians 4 talks about. But we, we need to come together. And, and that's, that's, that's a, a phrase, a slogan, a rallying cry in the world. Um, but they have no substance to draw people together. They have no bottom line. They have no common ground. The, the world doesn't have um, a primary source at which to draw from. And we do. We do because we are, we are actually one. That is our identity as the people of God. And it's God's highest desire or it's his vision for people to live together in unity. In fact, in John 17, this is Jesus in his high priestly prayer. He's praying uh, on the evening before he's going to actually go to the cross. And in part of his prayer is really the crescendo of his prayer is praying for believers, both both his disciples in the first century and then you know all, all, all uh, subsequent believers who would come uh, after that. And so in, in John chapter 17, in verse 20, I'm reading a prayer of King Jesus. He says, um, Father, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I have preached and taught those verses many, many times, but I'm telling you that last verse really gets me. It always gets me that the purpose of our unity is to send a signal to the world. And that wor- and that, that signal ultimately is to say, listen, God loves all of us. He so loved the world, right? That he gave his only son. But that love that he has for his son is the same love that he has for all of us. And and how how, how is the world going to actually believe that? How are they going to see that visibly? Well, they see it through the way that we love and interact with one another. Wow. That's amazing to think about. So we get to embody the royal love. We get to participate in God's vision for his church. And thirdly, we also get to invite others to repent and believe the good news of Jesus's reign. Now, this was implied in the last statement that I made. Uh, through our unity, people will take notice. I, I, I've seen it. I've experienced it. Uh, and I, I totally believe that with all of my heart. But we can't be passive. We must be active uh, in our royal assignment. That is, we are to, you know, to give ourselves wholly to serving one another 
in our local church context, whatever church you, you are a part of, uh, you're not there to just attend on Sunday morning and listen to the pastor and, and, and experience you know, the worship team and what they have to offer. You are there to be a contributor. You're not there to just be a participator. I'm sorry, to be a spectator. You're there to be a participator. Um, and so you serve in the gifts that God has given you. You serve um, you know, in, in whatever ways the local leadership you know, believes that you could, you could best be an asset to the church. Um, you give yourself to that. You build relationships. You build a network and, and, and a small group of, of really you know, close relationships that you can do life with people. That's really important. But you also need to be now extending that to the world around you. And that is invite others to repent and believe. Now, repentance is, is, is really gotten a bad rap in, in, in the church today. People don't even like to use that word repent. They kind of think it's a religious word um, or a divisive word or a word that kind of turns some people off. I love the word repentance. I use it all the time, uh, primarily because it was Jesus' first uh, uh, command at, when he came to the earth, his first sermon, his first teaching. You know, when he said the kingdom of God is at hand, therefore repent and believe. But repentance it's just turning. It's turning from one way of life to another, from one way of living to another, from following your own path to following Jesus's path. Repentance is changing your thinking, changing your mind. And we need to change our thinking about the state of the world. The world is lost. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, the world is broken, dysfunctional, confused. Um, and they are foreigners and strangers. And as we talk about in Ephesians chapter two, about Gentiles living outside of the covenant that God had made with Israel. Well, anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus is living outside of the covenant, the new covenant that God has made with those who believe in his son. And so how is God going to get the attention of those who are lost? He's going to use you and he's going to use me. Romans 10 speaks about this, where he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so how is someone going to believe and have faith in Jesus unless they hear? And if, if no one's speaking or, you know, no one's preaching, no one's teaching, no one's loving, no one's serving, then, then how are they going to know, right? So it's, it's imperative that our royal task is, is seen in the light of inviting other people to, 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 to share and in, in this hope that we have, the hope of, of the gospel and to believe in the amazing good news of, of, of Jesus and his rule in his reign. Finally, uh, our royal task involves faithfully committing to producing disciples. And, and this is something I'm very passionate about. Discipleship is, is really what um, I experienced as soon as I got saved. Um, Jerome Halstead, who is the pastor at Rock Solid Church, he is my mentor. He's my spiritual father. Um, he has not only taught me the word of God, but he's taught me how to be a man of God. And that, that occurred like immediately. So I, I was fortunate enough to, you know, receive Christ, become part of the local church. And right away, I was brought into a discipleship relationship and discipleship context. And so, and, I, and I've endeavored to do that with, you know, people um, my whole life, whether it was younger people in, um, you know, my experience as a youth pastor, or whether it's as I've gotten older, uh, just enjoying uh, leading people uh, to deeper understandings of God's word, and then, and then also to knowing how to live that out uh, for themselves. But faithfully committing to producing disciples. Discipleship is the hallmark of the Great Commission. When Jesus commissioned his disciples at the end of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, 
He said, all authority has been given me, heaven and earth. Uh, now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We need to be making disciples. Now, ultimately, we're making disciples. And that word disciple is to make learners, uh, students. Um, and ultimately, that is to, 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 to turn their eyes to Jesus, right? We're going to make them disciples of Jesus, teaching them his word, uh, teaching the, to, them to obey and faithfully follow his word. Um, but, but it's also obviously involves uh, a relationship uh, with ourselves. You know, Paul modeled this with his uh, spiritual son, Timothy, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. He said, the things that you have heard and learned from me among many witnesses, he said, teach them to others who will be able to teach, uh, you know, an, another generation after them. So uh, we see discipleship, uh, Timothy and, and, and Paul, and, and Paul was a spiritual father uh, to Timothy, much like uh, Jerome was a, is a spiritual father uh, to me. Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. And so there was a relationship that was established. If you get kingdom, you really understand kingdom, then you are going to see the priority that God places upon relationship. God reveals himself not just as a king, but also as a father and as a bridegroom. He, he loves to show himself as a personal God, as a God who is zealous for intimacy and, and relationship. You see this in the relationship between Jesus and his father, you also see this in the way that the church is described throughout the New Testament letters, brothers and sisters, even in Ephesians chapter two, that, you know, we're no longer strangers and foreigners outside of the covenant of God, but we are citizens of the household or family of God. So this family, personal, relational terms is only reinforcing our, our, our understanding of, of seeing discipleship in the way that God sees it. God sees discipleship as personal relationships, not just a classroom setting where someone's teaching you something, um, but it's you're literally investing your life into people. And that's what I'm referring to when I speak about discipleship context and, and really faithfully committing to producing disciples. Discipleship, I, I see as a process of mutually encouraging people to believe, follow, and abide. Believe that Jesus is Lord. Believe that God raised him from the dead. Believe that he is the king uh, who has reinaugurated his kingdom on the earth. Believe that he is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. Uh, and, and believe that he has now invited all of us to participate in his kingdom uh, alongside of him. So we believe and then we follow. And, and following is all about obeying. Following is is imitating. Following is is you know learning God's word. Uh, so we can live God's word. We're learning God's word so we can learn how Jesus lived, um, you know, and, and, and in particular context, how Jesus related to people, uh, how Jesus loved people. He loved his neighbor. He loved his enemy. And we're to do the same thing. So we're to follow Jesus by obeying his word, by knowing his word, and by living his word. And then we're to remain in him. And that John 15, uh, the entire chapter is just a beautiful picture of the vine and the branch and how, you know, the branch can't exist disconnected from the vine. The branch finds its life source from the vine. And Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And he wants uh, to produce fruit through our willingness to remain and to abide in him. And that's something that's oftentimes missed when that passage of scripture is taught, that we don't really produce any fruit 
as believers or as branches. Jesus, the true vine, produces the fruit through us as we remain uh, remain in him, as we abide in him. So we are in discipleship, teaching, inspiring, and exhorting one another to believe, follow, and abide in Christ. So that's our royal task. All those elements together kind of form uh, form a picture of what it looks like to live the kingdom as kingdom citizens, as those who have been brought out of darkness and now have the privilege of proclaiming the praises of, of King Jesus and living out the, um, the truth of our, of our identity as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. Well, it's so true. Everything in the kingdom is about relationships. Never forget that. And all the things that we have learned, and really there, there's so much more uh, to learn about God's kingdom. There's so much more treasure to mine and the seeking and searching of, of God's kingdom. But in all of it, the kingdom is about relationships. It's about a king, his rule, his authority, his law, and his law is love, and a desire to graciously share all of that with us, his royal family. What an amazing God we serve. And I hope that this episode just nudged you in the direction of recognizing that as kingdom citizens who possess a new heritage, a new birthright, uh, with, 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 with new privileges, that we are to give ourselves and uh, really invest ourselves into this royal task, uh, a task that you know, I laid out in four uh, particular points. So with that, I just want to pray with you guys and then just close with a few comments before this episode is uh, concluded. <clears throat> Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your faithfulness to our lives. Lord, as we not just want to learn about the kingdom, we want to live the reality of your kingdom in all of our lives. And I thank you for helping us with that today, reminding us uh, that we are citizens of, of an entirely new kingdom and that because now we have been brought out of darkness and into your marvelous light, that we can shine that light to the world around us. And we do that, God, by giving ourselves to what was taught today, um, to obey the royal law, to you know, seek out your vision for our lives. Instead of trying to uh, waste time and, and try to find our own vision, that we would just look into your word and allow your spirit to reveal what your vision is, is for us. And that we would never miss an opportunity to share the gospel with the people around us, inviting people to believe and to follow and to abide as disciples of King Jesus. Thank you, God, for all that you're accomplishing in and through this podcast. I humbly submit everything that I have said uh, and taught to you ultimately, and may you use it to glorify yourself and to reveal yourself to the people who are listening. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen. Well, hey, don't forget to tune in to our final episode of our series next week. My conversation with Hunter and the announcement of a new series that we will be beginning the week after. It's going to be awesome. You definitely don't want to miss it. Now, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow the show. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave me a rating and a review. Hey, guys, let's keep learning, growing, stretching. We're making progress on the road of start to finish. So until next time, don't let 
anything hinder you from seeking first the kingdom. You were created, according to Romans chapter 5, you were created to reign in life. And you can do that now because you have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So stay well, stay faithful, keep your eyes on Jesus. I will see you all again real soon.